morning. Welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market where I know I, always, I talk about the smoothies a lot, but they have a lot of new fried, two, two new fried appetizers right now. Zucchini fries, they're unreal. Probably going to go there when I'm done writing and get that. But uh, yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, the Penguins just, just fell in overtime to the Flyers in their lone exhibition game uh, before the playoffs get, get underway. And uh, Dave, what were your initial impressions of that of that exhibition game? The last tune up the Penguins have before the series against the Canadians gets underway. Uh, I, I think for the most part, it went probably about the way you would have expected. It was certainly very sloppy, especially in the early going, which you would expect from teams that haven't played a game since March. Um, it got better as the game went along. It certainly wasn't the intensity that you would expect to see. Uh, starting on the weekend, but it shouldn't be. I mean, I think both teams were pretty interested in, in trying to come out of this game healthy. And, you know, preliminary indications are that, that they succeeded in that, although the Penguins probably got a scare when Brian Dumoulin took a shot off the inside of his foot in the second period. Uh, I think they discovered during the regular season that going for an extended period without him is is not a good thing. But in general, you know, I, th I think both sides have to be reasonably satisfied with, with what they accomplished. Yeah, Dumoulin, he, he described that to us in the, in the post game that it was just a stinger and he felt fine after that. So, yeah, it seems like they uh, emerged unscathed. I think uh, the goaltending, uh, both guys look, look good. Uh, Murray and Jari split, split the game. Murray started, uh, allowed the first two goals, and I don't think you could really put either of them on him. Um, the first one deflected in off of Marcus Pedersen. There's not a whole lot he could have done to prepare for that. And then the second one, uh, Malkin blind pass right to Kevin Hayes in the slot. Kevin Hayes finished. Uh, and then, I mean, Jari, um, I thought Jari had maybe maybe the better game. He, I think he just had more opportunities for, for bigger saves. Uh, but I think both goaltenders look good, but I, I really don't think moving forward that, that makes a difference for who's going to start game one because what Sullivan talked about this morning was that uh, he said training camp really didn't influence his opinion on the goaltending, and it was more just about getting both guys their reps they needed, and that was really what this exhibition game was too. So I think uh, Murray starts game one, and I don't think we're, we really saw anything in this game that would make that a bad idea. No, I, I don't think there was anything that would change his mind. And I, I think the fact that Murray was the starter today as opposed to the guy who went in in the middle of the second period is a pretty good indication that he's the, the one they have penciled in to start game one, which will surprise absolutely no one. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, Jari, I thought, played very well. I certainly don't fault him on, on the game winner. I mean, when you get into three-on-three, it's not like it's actual hockey anyway. And that was a really nice shot that Scott Lawton uh, beat him on. So, um, you know, he acquitted himself as well as you could hope. And, and I thought Murray was, was pretty strong too. Certainly didn't uh, do anything that I think would cost him his, his role as the starter. Yeah, and going into the, the qualifying round, the Penguins aren't going to be seeing three and three anyway. Uh, it's this was regular regular season overtime rules and the 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 uh round robin teams are gonna have regular season overtime rules but for the qualifying round and and beyond it's all 
uh, playoff overtime rules, so three and three, uh, meaningless. But I mean, it like you said earlier, it was, it was a pretty sloppy game. I know uh, the Flyers too said that the ice was pretty bad. I think uh, part of that is that they don't have the ice crews coming out regular intervals to get rid of the snow. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe the ice will get better as as we go on, but. Uh, I mean, just just based off what we saw in this exhibition game, I don't think uh, there's any reason to uh, trade everyone. Fire Sullivan Tank for Lafreniere. I think uh, guys that, have good showings. <laughs> that would probably be a little bit of an overreaction. Now, if they would lose game one to Montreal, then all bets are off. Maybe even fold the <laughs> franchise. But uh, no, for now, I think they can hold off on doing anything radical. All right, one of the one of the spots that wasn't that bright of a spot was was the Penguins power play. I mean, it was awful. They had three opportunities, and I know going into the, the third the third play, uh, power play opportunity, I I was like, well, okay, the bar is very low as long as they get like extended zone time, they clear that, and they didn't even do that. I mean, it was it was just pretty bad. Uh, what what did you think of the power you play? You got a limbo champion to go under that uh, under the where the bar was set for that third power play. I mean, it, no, that was, it, it, it was an absolutely abysmal performance uh, for a group that has remarkable talent. It, it's hard to believe that they could even try to, to look as bad a, as they did today. Um, I mean, you understand that there's going to be some rust and that, you know, uh, the layoff is going to affect it and and all of that and that the flyers are pretty good at killing penalties but that was just an absolutely atrocious performance and uh you could tell uh, when mike sullivan was discussing it after the game that he wasn't uh very happy with what he saw and that that figures to get a lot of attention between now and saturday yeah he said they have a ways to go before they're firing on all cylinders they didn't allow any shorthanded goals so i mean i think the power play has looked worse earlier in the season especially that that stretch in the fall but um so during during training camp they alternated a lot between Latang and schultz uh on that for the one defenseman on the point and we saw schultz in all three opportunities here now i i think that's what sullivan said after that's less of a statement of like who's who's the guy in the top unit and Really, it just depends on who's fresh, and it just depended. It just so happened that in all three opportunities, Latang was the one that needed more rest, and Schultz was more fresh. So that's why we saw him. Um, now, I don't. I, I think. I mean, Latang's the better guy in the power play. That's what we saw on the in the regular season. So I mean, there's that, but uh, it doesn't hinge all on who the, the defenseman was because I mean, they just weren't taking shots when they had opportunities. <laughs> And, I mean, they couldn't get into the zone, and on those rare occasions when they did, they didn't do anything. And, and Justin Schultz has a very good offensive game. I don't understand why he doesn't shoot the puck more. He has a good shot. It seems like he goes out of his way to pass, that he'll, he'll skip opportunities to put the puck on goal just to give it to, to a teammate. I mean, there was a time today when, when he gave it to Evgeny Malkin. Um, I mean, there are certainly worse guys in the league you, that you can give the puck to than, than Malkin. Um, but Schultz has a good enough shot that I, I don't think he should defer to his teammates as often as he does. The idea of, of a power play, I mean, you distill it to its basic components. 
you get pucks and bodies to the net. It's, it's really not complicated. Uh, the Penguins seem intent on complicating it, though, and they seem to feel at times as if they're going to get style points if they score a really pretty power play goal, but it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and I mean, this, this unit really didn't have a, a, t- a ton of time together during the regular season because every guy, okay, guys were uh, hurt at different points. But I, I mean, given the talent that they have, I don't think that that really matters. Uh, these, and these guys already do have chemistry. Uh, but I mean, they have a couple of days before game one gets underway. Uh, you'd think they'd spend a lot of time on that in, the, uh, in, in practice before then. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the problem was that uh, the fake fans were not yelling shoot. on the. <laughs> so uh, I don't know yet. Yeah, but yeah, they definitely have a lot of work to, to do before the games get underway. Uh, no question about that. All right, Dave, I thought uh, just the, the television experience watching this, no fans. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, I something I thought was interesting was that the uh, so the Penguins were the road team for this, but uh, we we did get to see the like the the goal horn and uh, for both sides and the goal song for both sides. Um, I don't know if you listen to like the the fake fans a whole lot. I don't. It it I, it was just confusing to me. Like I don't I don't understand like who they were cheering for the fake fans. Uh, I really didn't. Uh, seemed like either. Like, I knew, like, you know, the Flyers are the home team, but there's a point where the, the Penguins got a, the too many men and, like, the fake fans were booing. Um, it just seemed like just general crowd noise. I don't, I'm not crazy about it. I don't know if you paid that much attention to it, but what did you think about the, the broadcast noise? Of the yeah, I, I really didn't pay that much attention to the crowd noise, but it seems like it would be logical if you're going to designate a team, the home team, which you have to for purposes of face-offs and, and things like that, then let it, you know, exclusively use that team's home crowd noises, mm-hmm. you know, uh, use something that you recorded in Philadelphia for the entire game today. Don't, you know, don't be schizophrenic about it. Um, you know, it's it, crowds at, at NHL games are not generally split 50-50 unless you're a, uh, a rust belt team that goes into a warm weather place and uh, have a lot of uh, transplants who live in the area. Uh, so, no, I mean, that, that seemed kind of silly. And early on, uh, having the, the tarps over the seats was, was kind of disconcerting. But after a while, and I can only speak for myself, I, I was kind of able to look past that stuff and, and really focus on what was going on on the ice and and the ambient noise and uh, the lack of bodies in the seats really wasn't much of an issue for me. And it'll be interesting. Apparently, uh, the uh, broadcasters have a few more wrinkles that uh, they're planning to keep under wraps until the actual games start over the weekend. So we'll see what other kind of enhancements they have in mind. But uh, one way or the other, it's it's the stuff that happens on the ice that matters most. So yeah, I mean, going back to the fans, the last uh, game I covered in person was in Buffalo, and it really was a fifty-fifty split. So uh, I guess not that unusual. Probably a little bit unusual for Penguins Flyers. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I did notice that what the sound uh, had to keep cutting out a bit and uh, there's what like a 20 second delay for swears uh so I guess that's what that was uh I noticed that a lot uh yeah no I I the the tarped off uh lower bowl um 
I, I think what they did to the lower bowl was pretty pretty cool with uh, the the tarp. I mean, it kind of looked like an outdoor game. Uh, the screens with the different logos I thought were cool. Um, and and the the broadcasters I thought uh, Mears and and Ari, I I mean. I thought they did a good job. I didn't, uh, you know, I think you forget that they're not there and they're just lodging in the studio. Um, I mean, something I guess we gained from this. So I think that means said there's 12 new camera angles uh, because normally, you know, they're limited to where they can put cameras because there are people in the seats and you can't block them. Uh, but with nobody there, they were able to put in more camera angles. I really didn't notice a whole lot of that. I mean, they're not that different from what we normally get. We normally get a fair amount of camera angles in a, in a game, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I thought the whole broadcast experience, no fans, better than expected. The, I thought the fan noise was less corny than I thought it was going to be, but, uh, yeah, not, not that bad for, for the first, I mean, this was the first game in, in months, so this was the first run by the NHL. I thought, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I, and I agree about the, uh, the broadcast crew. I thought they did a pretty good job. And I listened to a bit on the radio, and Mike Klang and Phil Bork did a, a nice job there, I thought. Uh, considering that none of the broadcasters were on site, I, I thought they acquitted themselves very well, especially for this being the, the first time they did it.